Hey everybody, Yislike here. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we start the episode, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by A Thousand Dreams, a developing adult liberal arts curriculum that celebrates transgression in most of its forms. Currently, the curriculum is comprised of a daily blog, four weekly podcasts, weekly multimedia lectures, a book vlog, lots of extra content on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and a Patreon that includes exclusive content and early access to much of our regular content. You can access all of our content, including a link to our Patreon, from our central hub at a thousanddreams.org. Please send comments and questions about the curriculum to a thousanddreams.org at gmail.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Rockadopolis. I'm Yislike Rockadopolis. And I'm Lance Rockadopolis. So today's episode is part two of our two-part series on the Scarlet Ranch. At least I had as good or better of a time than I had the first time. We kept a lid on the alcohol consumption, and I did not partake of any other kind of mind or mood-active drug But unfortunately, our on-site recordings did not turn out great due to issues with our recording technology. So we're including just the best clips that we have in terms of sound and content. But regardless, we did have good conversations about the Scarlet Ranch before we went to the club and after we got back. And we're including those in the episode as well. So we'll start out with the discussions that we had before we left for the Scarlet Ranch. Then we'll share our experiences at the ranch, and then we'll talk about some of what we learned from those experiences. So remember on our first episode of season two, I mentioned at the end of the episode that I was going to chart new territory and borderlands. That's right between kink and vanilla. And so tonight, we are going to go to the Scarlet Ranch for the second time. The first time got derailed because I had a little bit of weed in the sex teepee and that made me very paranoid. How do you consider Scarlet Ranch borderland? It seems kinky to me. So you think that the Scarlet Ranch is kinky and why do you think it's kinky? Well, I consider what swingers do have sex with I wouldn't say random people but people that they hook up with randomly that's kind of kinky is swinging about hooking up with random people or is it hooking up with like your best friend's husband and wife well this place the Scarlet Ranch seems dedicated to facilitate people meeting other people so well that's interesting because in the last episode you said that we decided that no it was not for meeting new people that it was people were going there in small groups and fucking each other right right? but it was a very difficult place to go to meet people to fuck it's 
a social atmosphere. They've got a bar there. They've got a dance club. They've got a restaurant. So I'm thinking there are opportunities for meeting other people, but it's difficult because people are coming as couples primarily. I'm sure that if one couple finds another attractive, they're going to walk up to them and start conversing. People that they didn't know? Yeah. So let's see if that happens. Because last time it seemed like we did not think that that was the kind of thing that would happen there very often. That people would meet strangers to have sex with there. Well, we met a couple in the TP room. We didn't have sex with them, but we did talk to them. And we did figure out a way to keep in touch with them through FetLife. Yeah, through their kind of swinger club. Yeah, and they, they connected to FetLife in some way. I certainly am going to try to meet people. I'm going to do my best to be sociable. So are you thinking that you're going to meet people in order to fuck them down in the <laughs> down in the closets, down at the bottom, or out in the cabanas? Well, that's for you to decide, but no, I wasn't specifically thinking about that at all but that's what we were just talking about right now lance whether people meet people there to fuck there that night that's that was the no, topic I, of I this conversation want, i think it's very rare that that's going to happen and people really don't have that expectation oh uh, but i think there are some single men who show up there and do have that expectation and then they sure. write they write you know Horrible nasty reviews, reviews of it because it doesn't happen for them Regardless, I mean, the original question was, is it kinky? And I really don't see swinging as kinky, and you do. And of course, blah, blah, blah. Kink is whatever you say it is. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, still. You have very strict definitions, and I, I do, respect Well, that's you for the that, thing. I don't, but... I don't necessarily. I don't really have a definition of it. But I know what it isn't. People... <laughs> and it's not swinging. We met some people at a munch, actually, a couple that goes there and they are kinksters. They're a married kinky couple. And the wife referred to two swingers as the Republicans of non-monogamy. What she said was that it was 100% vanilla PIV sex. All they were interested in was intercourse. Well, at least they try. They they have two uh, St. Andrew's crosses. They have a spanking bench. Because they're trying and because people are coming there to have sex, that meets my definition of kinky. I don't see it as a kinky place. And yet they have the kinky dungeon. We're going on kink night. On the one hand, it's like I do see kink night as kind of a novelty there. Mm -hmm. Like they have a person with a table with some very light toys, very light floggers and very girly kind of collars (laughs) and such. And then you, you go downstairs and they have the, a dungeon with some bondage crosses and they have a spanking bench and all of that. And they do kink night once a month, which makes it a little bit more than a novelty. When we went there the last time, it was packed. Yeah, indeed. And it seemed like you were saying that you saw people lining up for the bondage crosses. Yeah. That it was standing room only in the dungeon. People just jumped on after we were done they told us told me not to bother even cleaning it really <laughs> they were gonna do it themselves so wow <laughs> get, out, get out of here already yeah that's very interesting so on the one hand i i wouldn't call it a, a kinky place and on the other hand 
Um, it is not because it's swingers, not because it's potentially people going there to have sex with strangers or wife swapping or whatever the fuck, but that there's this kinky thing going on. That... I, I would call it open-minded. This certainly more so than the vanilla world. I was kind of disappointed to, to see not that many uh, femdom female-led couples. I saw one other besides us. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what tonight brings. So anyway, that's why I think that the Scarlet Ranch is kind of a liminal space. It's a space that is kinky and not kinky at the same time. And I remember it by the end of the last time we went there, I was like, we're going to turn this place into a BDSM club because why wouldn't you want... Um, all they're lacking is like a swimming pool as far as I'm concerned. If they had a swimming pool, I'd be set. Wow. But, you know, like a, they've got a restaurant, a <laughs> dance floor... A really nice, pleasant outdoor area. So on the podcast, I talked about charting new territory in Borderlands space. In space that doesn't necessarily have a clear identity for what it's for, who it's for, Hmm. how it's labeled. I think if you would ask them, they would disagree. They definitely have a clear mission. And one of the reasons why they're successful, in addition to the... Their clear nice mission, accommodations. Their clear mission being serving the swinger community. But they have that kinky piece, which is not the same. It's BDSM sexual. is not yeah. swingers. So maybe maybe there's a difference between kink and BDSM here, because swinging and BDSM are two very different things. The communities are not the same. This is why people we know in the BDSM community are like, we're not ever going to the Scarlet Ranch. This We're, we're not that type of person. Hmm. Scarlet Ranch people are much more conservative. I don't think they're that sexually open-minded based on the people we talked to who said no. They just want straight-up intercourse. Well, that was one couple. You mentioned borderlands and liminal as terms. That reminds me of something that I saw on a nature show that presented those areas that transition between one environment to another as highly beneficial for wildlife and productive for the ecology. But the other thing that you said was you didn't see swingers as kinky. And I guess uh, I see it as more of a of a, like a scale, a gray scale, as opposed to just black and white. I, I see swingers more on the kinky spectrum than, say, vanilla people. You mentioned that kink, you feel that kink night is marginalizing. Would you say that it's, that it comes across as patronizing in a way, like in a more negative context? I think that it's, marginalizing just because it's like one night it's almost like um in multiculturalism where there's there's sort of the white anglo culture that it's taught in schools as the norm and then they'll they'll throw in something that is they call it food and holidays it'll be uh martin luther king week and then they'll talk about like african-american food and you know they'll talk about kwanzaa the food and holidays approach toward multicultural education is just throwing in little things out of context 
and it doesn't help. It doesn't make students of color feel better. It doesn't really teach white students much about different cultures or why they're different and how they're different. So that's like Hank Knight is, is like a one-off. The thing that's going on there, though, that I find interesting is that it's not a one-off. It's every month and it's very popular. But they're still treating it in some ways like it is this other odd, this otherness. In those examples that you cited, I, I see it differently. I see it more positively. I see it as an important first step. Sure, it does seem kind of belittling in, in certain ways, but I th think in order for someone to gain a different perspective, it's important to have that first step. You're talking about food and holidays right now? Yes. Right. Well, yeah. And when I'm, you're, I'm, I'm sorry, but what you're saying is, is from an extremely conservative perspective that is, it has been abandoned like 35 years ago by educators. It's, it's more, I mean. Okay. I disagreed. I mean, to see other people as human beings is an important so, first step. Somehow you find that the Scarlet Ranch is insulting your sensibilities by having a kink night. Isn't it? I, I find it as, as wonderful and presenting opportunities for other people that might not be exposed to BDSM. I think it's important for them to see but apparently you don't feel that way. If we're going to extend the analogy for kink night to be like a school and holidays curriculum, it seems like you want to do that. So sure. the problem with food and holidays is that it, it's so surfacy. Everything else, for example, is going to be Anglo-American, everything that students learn. Mm -hmm. And then like 1% of all the other cultures that are actually of the cultures of students that are in the classroom, like especially where I grew up in LA. And so it's this tiny, tiny bit. And what it certainly reveals the Anglocentrism of the curriculum. I mean, I'm an Anglophile. I don't have any, I don't actually have a problem with an Anglocentric curriculum, but the school and holidays thing is an attempt at being multicultural that is very, very feeble. So to me, kink night from from a cultural perspective, if, if kinksters are a culture or a subculture, it's like the spicing it up in the bedroom thing for people who, who take kink very seriously, how it's more than sex, it's more than a lifestyle, it's like deeply who they are. It's like the spicing it up in the bedroom is something that is offensive because it's so reductionalistic. It's like, oh, let's do this thing that we saw in a movie, whereas for... Some of us, it's deeply in, in who we are, spiritually, emotionally, sexually, philosophically. And so the analogy is to where you have a thing like, well, now you're going to learn about Mexican culture. We're going to have Taco Bell as our snack. That's where I see the analogy. The other idea, I think, that might be that it comes from a place of privilege, right? And this is where I see swingers as not necessarily being kinksters. Kink is more marginalized. Swinging is white, middle-class, and upper-middle-class people getting it on. It's not a big deal to me. And I, I didn't plan on talking very much about the marginalization of it. I can see why you like it, that, that it's an embracing of kink. So given all that and 
made your position quite clear. Um, what do you think about, say, tastings at a BDSM club where they present one aspect of kink? Right. Well, is is that insulting? So, is that insulting to the, the practitioners of whatever that is? A swingers club, and this is a, a nice upper middle class swingers club. When you go there and you're like, oh, it's kink night. And there's one person standing there with a very light flogger telling you kink is, isn't really weird. We're just here to try to normalize it. You know, oh, okay. Maybe this will spice up our relationship a little bit. That's very different from people going like, wow, I'm curious about kink and going to a BDSM club at where there are lots of tastings going on, going there because they're interested in kink. That's very different from someone going to a swingers club and it's kink night at the swingers club. That's not the same as going to a tasting at a BDSM club. When you venture into a BDSM club, you are going into the BDSM culture. When a kinkster goes into a swingers club to demonstrate flogging, that is a representative from another culture coming into that culture and entertaining the members of that culture. I realize that it's more of an, than an analogy to you because you're saying that it's a first step in introducing people to kink. I don't really care about introducing non-kinksters into kink. That's not interesting to me. What is interesting is that I want to take that Scarlet Ranch space and make it more kink-friendly. I want more kinksters to come there. Do you see the problem with that, though? I'm just thinking of the analogy of Black people being bussed into certain schools, people moving into certain neighborhoods, and how... That would cause a flight away, the white flight from that neighborhood. So you think if more Kingsters went to the Scarlet Ranch, it would create white flight. It would create vanilla flight. Yeah, I think it would. That is interesting. The only reason why I think that might not happen is because Kink Night is more than a tasting. Because when we went to Kink Night before, the people were lining up behind us to get on that bondage trust. It's not like a tasting. Mm -hmm. I think that it's already starting to happen. And hmm. so it seemed like there's a, there's a lot of energy there already. What I would like is for us to feel comfortable there being ourselves. I'm not saying that we want to chase everybody out. Not that white flight is about people of color chasing white people out. I'm just saying that I want to push the boundaries to see how far, how comfortable we can be there. That's mm -hmm. why you've got, you're going to wear your leash tonight. Because I want the dance floor. I want the restaurant. I want the bunnies and the lawn and the teepee. I want all of that. I want all the porn on all this, the, the porn screens all over the place. You know, I want the rustic decor. I want that for a, a BDSM place. I want to go there and... Play. I want to play. I want that to be our public play space, not another one. I want that one. Okay, so we are now at the Scarlet Ranch, and it is not nearly as many people this time, which is kind of disappointing. We just noticed that they have the St. Andrew's Cross outside today, which is nice because this is a beautiful night. I'd say 
mid seventies. It's uh, about eight thirty, so the sun's going down. It's still very relaxing, though. Yeah, so not very many people here, and there are many more kinksters here, though, like identifiably kink, kinky. Yeah, I, def- I, I haven't noticed that. Yeah, so I talked to one of the the women at the at the table where they're selling kinky paraphernalia, okay. and she said, "Yeah, there are more kinksters." So. I wonder if a white flight type of scenario is happening. <laughs> are we chasing them away? And then I are they going to go out of business because we're here? No. Oh, my God. It's so nice here. And, and yes, the bondage cross is outside. How awesome is that? The teepee is empty. I'm disappointed. Nobody's in the teepee, but it smells really strongly of weed. I want to definitely use that bondage cross outside. But I was wondering if you would like to leash me. Leash you and get you undressed. Let's do it right now. Out here? Yeah, why not? So really, I don't think we're we're the only kingsters maybe in the region who have thought of colonizing the mm-hmm. Scarlet Ranch and taking it over, imposing kink law. <laughs> uh, Whatever that means. It's the definitions are so fluid. Indeed, yeah. Same with Christianity though. This is the manifest destiny of <laughs> the Scarlet Ranch is the kink manifest destiny. A group of uh, young people, that is people in their 20s, just walked through the yard in a very stately and sort of ritualistic manner. All the women had long flowery dresses on and the men were just walking in a very kind of stately way, like like they were Wiccans or something. That's weird. Yeah, it looks like a... It looked like a very formal tour of the place. Yeah. Now are they going into the teepee? So we're back inside. We just talked to somebody who's here doing a tasting with a violet wand. There are several tasting stations out there. He said that there's a major national conference going on this weekend, which is might be why it's a little, um, and it's a BDSM conference, might be why it might be a little slow here tonight. Uh, Thunder in the Mountains is happening this weekend. Yeah, he did say that it seems like the the um, kinkster population here is slowly growing, which is very interesting and and cool. And, and I asked him whether Lance could be like completely naked and totally kinked up and on all fours, as long as it wasn't a fire hazard. And he said, yeah, totally. So that's good. Okay, and then we went back outside. There was a lot more going on outside at that point. Right. A lot more people. And what was the other one? The bondage cross. Uh, the bondage cross. cross. Right, <laughs> which was not in use at, when we went out there. And so we had a play session in the beautiful outside, cool breezes. The bondage cross was set in this gazebo-like structure that kind of looks like it was set up for live bands. They've got the big screen in the back playing lesbian porn at that moment. But uh, when we got up there, you warmed me up very well. Uh, The intensity of your whippings got heavier and stronger and... Yeah, and we were both watching the porn as that was happening. Mm -hmm. And I had a really good session just as the top, like I was really on target. I always look at the marks afterward to see how precise I was and... uh, 
I did really well while I was even distracted by the the porn <laughs> going on in front of us and and a gigantic TV screen. Yeah, that definitely helped me cope with the pain. Did it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like intensifying the pleasure part. Right. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So on a scale of negative five and five, how did that play session rank? Like in terms of at public places? <sighs> yeah, that's got to be the top. So yeah, plus five. I mean, that's that's the best that I've ever felt to, to the point where I was totally carefree and totally vibing on the whole moment. Yeah. And then afterwards, that was actually the first time that I recognized subspace. And it was a unique kind of subspace, but you were in a whole other headspace when Mm -hmm. we got down off of the cross and went to sit down. It was like, I'm going to spare people the details, (laughs) but you were in a very, very different place. And I really, it was the first time that I'd see it. I didn't really recognize it for what it was until later. We weren't sure that he could get into subspace, but you can. Yeah, I was pretty sure that I could. It's just never been to that degree. That I was definitely an endorphin high. Yeah, next time I'm going to lead you to a more private area so you can just so we can hang out and have a an intimate moment instead of sharing it with hundreds of people around us. So we did go dancing and we did have fun dancing. I thought the DJ was doing a really good job actually. Lance asked him to play something from Deont Word for me and the song the DJ chose was Cookie Thumper, which is actually one of their more controversial songs. Um, The video is actually extremely controversial for being fairly rapey, kind of glorifies surprise, a.k.a. non-consensual anal sex. And then after that song, he played, you know, the What is Love, Baby Don't Hurt Me song from the (laughs) 1990s. So that was interesting. Maybe he was just vibing on the kink. On the <laughs> yes, kink yeah, I, I didn't notice that. I'm glad you pointed it out. Yeah. But I do remember that song after Cookie Thumper. Then after we got off the dance floor and ha- and were having dinner, a really nice couple started dancing, and the woman started pole dancing, and she was just amazing at it. Like you could tell she wasn't a professional, but she mm-hmm. was really getting into it. Right. She was dressed in a negligee, and she, she was looking at her partner. Uh, she was on the stage where the pole was, and he was off to the side just admiring her. Yeah. As as were we. <laughs> yeah. She was like there were very, very few people in the dining room, nobody on the dance floor at that point. And she was just so expressive and so joyful. It yeah. was just really something to see. Yeah, it was very obvious and that we were fascinated by her performance. And you told me that she acknowledged you in, in some way and was appreciative of you watching her. Yeah, she she gave me the yoga prayer hands, you know, as she was leaving the dance floor. It was really sweet, and Mm. it was just a nice little moment. So what did we learn from our second trip at the Scarlet Ranch? Because now I'm realizing that that our travels are about learning. You mentioned that you like the amenities. You like the the dance floor, the restaurant, the... The decor is really great. The yard, having a really nice, well-groomed, expansive yard... It wasn't crowded. Right. Those natural settings tend to lead people to be in a more relaxed state. And therefore, they're more friendly and open to having conversations. 
I don't think that there was a lot of intermingling among strangers there. And I think that I think there can be. That's that's my point. The the few interactions that I initiated were nothing but positive and that's a really good thing. Especially given that, that you're a submissive man and could be threatening. <laughs> Right. right, and, and I'm it basically <laughs> approaching people when I'm completely almost naked, and with the collar and the leash and everything. Well, that gives a a good point of like conversation. Like somebody can initiate a conversation based on that. And, and did it, someone do that? In fact, the bartender did. Yes, nice. she said my collar reminded her of her Gorian days, and if you don't know what that means, it's basically a series of books based on male dominance and female slavery well but it's a whole subculture it's a whole subculture based on those books so space has a big influence on the way people behave it does yeah and i think that instead of thinking that you know whether swingers are legitimate kinksters you think they're kinksters i don't it's about the space what happens in a bdsm club is not the same as what happens in a swingers club. It's the spaces themselves that maybe define who people are in that space to a certain degree. Right. And what makes a BDSM club a little more difficult in interacting socially, there's this, would you call it a rule where you're not really allowed to interact with somebody who are having a scene? Right. And most people are there to scene. They're right. there to have the scene and be watched, but not talked to. I'm just saying it kind of kills the mood for those kinds of social interactions. People don't want to interact. However, I don't know that I agree with you about that. I don't know that the Scarlet Ranch is a place to meet new people and interact necessarily with new people. I'm oh. skeptical <laughs> about that. Over time, thing. over time, I think we're going to be more comfortable and as people recognize our faces, people are going to be more willing to open up to us. Whereas at BDSM clubs, I actually do feel in their social spaces more comfortable interacting with them. <laughs> like it's it's this because... it's such a paradox because I complain about BDSM clubs being <laughs> unfriendly, and yet I feel more, more. comfortable. <laughs> Maybe because of the there's less pressure. I don't know. And, and maybe it's because you're with your tribe. You're with people that <laughs> can understand. Right. Ironically, since I do nothing but complain about my tribe, right? Like that's <laughs> that's the subtext. Well, <laughs> that's only natural. I mean, people complain about their families all the time. <laughs> I think that it taught me about me that I really like. I've known this about me, but I like really it was crystallized in my mind. I like very pleasant surroundings Mm -hmm. i like things to smell nice and i like chairs to be comfortable i like nice warm lighting i like music even if it's a little bit loud i like fresh breezes these are all things that are going to relax me and make me feel comfortable enough to enjoy a scene i like having a having Mm -hmm. a little bit of a relaxing drink Yes. The, all week I'm like, I'm never going to have sex in one of those places. I didn't, I was anxious about going again because I felt like I was going to be pressured to have sex. There was no pressure to have sex. Nobody was cared, you know, no. but I'm still like, because it's a swingers club, you know, it's like a, it's, it's like in my head with what it's supposed to be. And then I get there and I'm like, maybe I could have sex. So I get there yeah. and all of my aesthetic needs are met. And I'm like, wow, I feel pretty good. <laughs> you mentioned that. 
it's okay to be naked around there. Yeah. My concern is that none of the men, I've never seen a naked man walking around. Sure, they take off their shirt, but who the hell cares about that? I mean, men do that all the time anywhere. If I'm going to be required to be walking around naked or G-string, whatever, showing off my chastity, that's going to be difficult for me with nobody else doing that sort of stuff. And yet you did it. And in, it seems to me that there's a part of you that is so eager to do it and I, that overrides <laughs> that hesitation. It, 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 it does. It does. I wasn't naked. I was in a, you know one of those Speedo-type bathing suits that are a little bit sheer. I'm not comfortable with being judged. And that's going to be a good test for me in, in my submissiveness, in my submission to you, whether I can feel comfortable the eyes of dominant men and normal vanilla men on me. Not to be a party pooper on that, because our podcast is about reality-based power exchange and femdom. You're the one who always wants to take your clothes off. (laughs) You are the one who wants to show off your cage. Like you say that it's about submission to me, Hmm. but let's just be realistic. Because you have to own it. Because I am I, owning it. I, I, I think I do. I am proud of the fact that we're in a femdom relationship. Right. But you have to also own your desire. Like maybe the criticism in your mind that men are looking askance might be part of what you like about it. Sorry. Is that <laughs> yeah. right? That's a little bit of a lot of the exhibitionism in me. Right. Wanting to sh- shock and yeah. I don't know. I mean, you are such fine wine, you know. I mean, you are really, we fight. We spent a lot of this morning fighting. But Why do you have to bring that up? I can take it out. You are such a prince among men, like truly. We're sitting there having dinner. There's like five or six people in the dining room, which is a big place. And I complimented you on your submissiveness. And you're like, okay, fine. And you got up and went and to the pole and started pole dancing. <laughs> It was silly. It showed me how you had been wanting to do that. I was so proud of you. (laughs) Like, I was so happy that you just needed the littlest push. (laughs) It is all part of a bigger picture of our relationship and cherishing each other and and getting a chance to be ourselves. Yeah, it shows you that the atmosphere definitely has an influence on my comfort level. I'm reading this book that's about swag is just being yourself and self-confidence and who you really are. Mm. And I'm never going to swag in a BDSM club. In fact, I'm going to be under swaggy. My instinct in a BDSM club is to downplay my personality and just to get to business. I I like being watched. I like people watching me do scenes, Mm. but I don't need to strut around. I want to do the opposite. It's almost like a protest somehow against stereotypes, femdom Mm. stereotypes, But in a place like that, I want to swagger around and not in an obnoxious way, but I want to like bring out my swag there. I feel there's space for it there. And you do too. Yeah. The more we go there, the more comfortable we're going to get. And that was really reassuring Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be kicked out for being ourselves. That would be hurtful. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Until next time. Please check us out on our social media. Have a great week, everybody.